Hello and welcome to the Unbeyond Mindset podcast where we think big and do big. So here I've got Ahmed. He is a developer. Again, yeah, good morning. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm here on vacation, but love the fact that with Wi-Fi, everyone can be connected. So I'm over here in Mexico with a two-hour difference, but Ahmed is in Southern California. So that's awesome. Tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and what is the Ahmed of today up to? Well, uh, first and foremost, I am not on vacation in Mexico, but you are, so <laughs> I hope you're enjoying yourself and having a good time. Um, my name is Ahmed Sarafi. I'm a Southern California born and raised uh, East LA real estate investor and developer. I have been in the real estate business for over 20 years. Uh, I have gone from real estate broker, you know, commercial real estate broker, to real estate construction manager, project manager, contractor, and all the way through to investor and developer, where I now go and either buy property and own as cash flow, or I go and buy land and develop that land in order to develop for a product for sale or a product for lease and continue to cash flow off of that. So uh, a little bit of a little bit of both, a little bit of investment, a little bit of the development work as well. So do you typically hold or sell your investments? <clears throat> two, two, uh, two thoughts on that. So some property I do hold for the long term. So if it is a multifamily investment or multifamily development apartments, I tend to hold those for the long term, right? Meaning uh, five, 10 plus years, because that's long-term income, generational wealth, and property that uh, is providing a um, a uh, an income for my family and cash flow for my cat, my family. Now, if it's a smaller property, such as an industrial building or a commercial development, I will go and buy the land, build it, and then sell it to an end user, such as uh, someone who needs a building for their own business or what have you not. So I will build to sell smaller property and the larger multifamily stuff I will build and keep it or buy it and keep it. You recently had an article on Business Forbes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Business Insider, yes. Business Insider. And you mentioned on there how you have upwards of 100 units, more than 100 doors in multifamily real estate. Now, tell us a bit about that background and the commercial world, because they're two different monsters, right? Uh, a, a bit, yes. So I currently have close to 200 uh, units in my portfolio right now. I got 300 under construction and another 300 getting planned and, and designed right now. So there's a 600 unit uh, pipeline. And the difference I see between multifamily units, you know, uh, residential type units are the way those properties are managed and operated, right? Versus the construction and development and of commercial property. So the multifamily property definitely has a more management intensive aspect to it. You have managers who are dealing with things all the time, such as rent collections, damages, disputes, you know, repairs, 
maintenance issues, uh, issues with the tenants, uh, issues between the tenants, property upkeep, things along those lines that are almost like a daily ongoing occurrence on a larger property. When it comes to some of the commercial properties, those are less management intensive because they may have less tenants or the tenants are businesses and they're very self-sufficient. So all you really need to do is make sure the bills are paid, the trash is picked up, and the late maintenance and the landscape uh, guys would get out there once so we can keep the property clean. But for the most part, the tenants usually take care of themselves because they are businesses. Got it. And with the business lease, that rent is typically like upwards of 10000 on average, maybe, depending on location. Yeah, it all depends on the location. Like some of the apartments I have out in Phoenix, the rents are eight or nine hundred dollars a month for a little studio or one bedroom apartment, right? But then I have some commercial property where I have national tenants like Seven Eleven paying six and seven thousand dollars a month for their space. So it all depends on the size and the square footage. You know, I uh, am building a industrial building in Ontario, California. That building will be thirty thousand square feet. And once that building is completed, the rent will probably be about $50,000 a month on that or more. So it all depends on the size, the location, the type of use and what you have not. So, but that $50,000 rent has to go cover a very expensive mortgage. So that's probably, you know, some of the reasons behind that as well. Right. So what would the mortgage be on that property, that size of the land? So the Ontario property is going to be about um, two acres, uh, give or take. Uh, the building will be thirty to 35,000 square feet. Uh, my construction costs on that property will be at, say, 30,000 square feet at, you know, that'd be, you know, maybe $9 million plus the land, which is worth, a, you know, another Five million dollars. So you're all in at fourteen, fifteen million dollars. A fourteen or fifteen million dollar mortgage could be, you know, you know, I don't know the math off the top of my head, but you could be looking at, you know, easily, you know, thirty or forty thousand dollars a month mortgage, easily. Yeah, depending on how much equity and capital you have into the project, but you know, thirty or forty thousand dollars a mortgage, and your rent is fifty to sixty thousand dollars. There's not a big difference there sometimes. So it all depends on on your cost of the land, how much you build it for, and how much you're able to rent it for. It's all part of real estate development. Awesome. So for those of you who are only exposed to residential real estate, this interview today is very eye-opening because it's entering a different world. And so I see this as for people who want to own, say, a gas station or even the territory where automobile sales shop live, right? So these are huge spaces, obviously bigger land, so bigger rents, bigger mortgages, leases, et cetera. So Ahmed, what got you into this space? Tell me about the Ahmed 10 years ago. Where were you? I think it was, you know, my whole life. I grew up the son of an immigrant. And when you're the son of an immigrant, you do everything yourself. You don't hire anyone. You don't go anywhere for anything. You do everything yourself. So I grew up working in my father's gas station uh, for many, many years. And I would 
paint the gas station. I would fix the gas pumps. I would, you know, uh, pressure wash the outside. I would fix the ice machine. There's nothing that we hired anyone for. You did it yourself. It was pretty much DIY life. You know, it's an immigrant life. And I'm sure you would understand that too. And it, it was good though, because it allowed me to do what I really loved, which was putting things together. I love fixing things. I love putting things together. I love working on my car. I love putting Legos together as a kid. I loved, you know, just taking bits and pieces of anything and creating something out of it. So after college and I got into real estate, the commercial real estate business, I was able to do that, you know, bring clients, customers, uh, builders, developers, and bring all of those pieces together and let them go and put together a completed project. And then Going from there, I got into construction, which is really up my alley, and I was really good at because it allowed me to do that even more. And now I'm doing it for myself as an investor developer, taking all those bits and pieces, land, financing, contractors, architects, engineers, and putting all those pieces together to create something. And at the end of the day, it, I created something that actually pays me. So it's it's a pretty good, pretty good uh, gig I have, I think. So tell me about your team, because obviously it takes several people to do that finished product, right? So is it you and do you have like an executive assistant? Who else is in your office? So right now uh, it's been me for a while. Uh, I am hiring a few people right now to be in the office, especially an executive assistant and uh, probably a project manager very soon. But depending on the project or depending on what I'm working for, I'm always contracting out to those professionals that I need to help me on that project. So if it is an architect and excuse me, an architect and engineer for, for design, I will contract them for however long it takes them to produce that design. If it's a contractor or subcontractor who's going to build the property for me, I will contract with them for that amount of time. If it's an existing uh, multifamily property like we have, I will go out and hire a third-party management company and I will interact with them. While they do the work, I manage them. So it really is, you know, learning to be efficient by bringing in the team as you need it and knowing who the team to go to is and who are the best team members and going and bringing them together when you need it, as you need it, for as long as you need it. So it sounds like you outsource a lot. and. You're working with several people, several components to finish this puzzle piece of work. What takes the longest? I think right now, um, especially being uh, having a lot of projects here in Southern California, because because right now I have projects in Southern California and I have projects in in Dallas, Texas, right? And I think the biggest thing right now is the time it takes here locally to move a project from conception to approval and you get ready to for to start construction on that the governmental regulatory uh process here in california is really really slow and quite restrictive it's almost like there's consistent hoops you need to jump through while other states and other cities and other counties are much more business friendly and they welcome your business and they welcome what you're trying to do and they make the process a whole lot easier. So right now, the biggest hurdle here, uh, one, there is a lot of competition locally, yes, for sure. But I really think it's the process of getting your project from start to finish through the city or the county and getting those approvals to start construction because 
the governmental policies here in California are just really restrictive and very slow. And even though they say they're pro-business, I kind of feel like they're not. So do you see future Ahmed and business going elsewhere for future developments? Yeah, I'm already on it. Already looking, doing more and more out of state. I already got uh, a few projects in, in Texas that uh, I'm a part of. One's already under construction. Another one will start soon. And then I'm actually looking uh, throughout Arizona and Texas and a few other states for more opportunities because as much as I love living here and as much as I want to do business here, it is not necessarily worth the time and the effort and the and the brain damage I go through sometimes just to kind of move things forward here. I'd rather just go somewhere where they appreciate my business, they appreciate my effort, they appreciate my my willingness to pr- uh, bring something to the local economy versus here where it almost seems like it's the opposite. I hear you on that and it's understandable. What are your thoughts of the East coast, particularly Florida? Florida. I love Florida. I have a lot of friends, and a lot of businesses. So it's just there. It is on my list of places to look for uh, opportunities as much as I would love to do Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Uh, that's a bit restrictive. I'd be, I'm more looking at Northern Florida, Orlando and Tampa areas because I do see a lot of opportunity there as well. And the, uh, the business, a friendly climate that they have is also pretty appealing as well. For sure. It's humid, hot, beautiful. Kind of here, like... Nuevo Nayarit, Mexico. So, home away from home. Let's talk about investments. Now, looking at things from an investor standpoint, we talked a bit about syndicates before the call. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also mentioned on that Business Insider how you prefer people really do their homework, due diligence when it comes to choosing the right partners. Uh, You mentioned something about comparing to companies, say like Vive funds Mm -hmm. or another. Could you tell me more about that, the differences? So when people are looking to invest, most people think their only option is Morgan Stanley and Charles Schwab. Right. Those are their only investment opportunities when really there is a lot of lot of other opportunities out there, but they're just not advertised or brought to the public like these other companies do it. So you have a lot of real estate opportunities to invest in as well. Uh, it is something that I'm looking into about bringing investors on board with me in the near future. But for people looking to invest now, and this is what I do with, because I also invest in uh, some other projects and other uh, real estate ventures as well as, is I look at the sponsor, right? So the sponsor is the technically the person or the entity leading that, the, that charge. They're leading the development or they're leading the investment, right? So when it comes to a new development fund, right? So someone's building a new project, I look at who is that sponsor? Who is that that general partner? Who is that person who is raising the funds to do this development? Are they experienced? Are they trustworthy? Do they have a good team? Do they have an existing business? Do they have a good track record of this, right? So those are things that I I try to evaluate before I place my money. So I have uh, one investment with uh, a, a team in Las Vegas building some condos. I know the developer. 
he is experienced, he is highly organized, highly regarded, has an amazing team behind him, has uh, the right people backing him up, the right contractors, engineers, partners, and he put together a really good team for this project. I felt comfortable with this. I like the location, I like the design, and I like the returns on my investment. So I invested with them, right? Another thing you do is uh, if you're looking at a syndication where someone goes out and purchases a property and then they sell the shares or sells a majority of the shares or majority of that ownership to investors, right? So it's almost like the reverse. And I also look at the general partner of that syndication or technically like the sponsor. Who is this person who bought the property and is selling out the the shares to us? Do they have experience? Do they have a track record? Do they have, uh, are they known for going in and and taking a property and improving it and getting a a better return and, and knowing how to operate that property very well, or are they just doing this for the first time? So when it comes to this kind of stuff, I always look to see who's leading the charge, who's in charge of this, this opportunity. And do they have the experience, the know-how, the knowledge and the team behind them to make it work? Right. Very good tips. Awesome to hear because there is a difference, right? I was looking up before this call, right? Syndication versus like what else is out there? And I like how you outlined that for us in terms of the steps, right? It's either the opposite, like finding who is in charge of leading the operation, right? The project or someone who already purchased and is, is looking for that capital to purchase more and then disperse, right? Now, yes. some companies have syndication fees on top of just a lump sum to look for a project. Correct. And that's yeah. a big differentiator as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very standard practice when a syndicator will go and buy a property and syndicate or sell the shares of that property to the investors, right? So let's say they go out and buy a a $20 million property. Well, $20 million is a lot for either you or me or somebody else to to invest in. But they'll say, well, if you want to come in with $50,000, $20,000, $100,000, we'll let you in, right? So we invest a small amount into that syndication. Now, a standard uh, practice is charging the fees because the, the sponsor of the syndicator um, are only receiving dividends like the rest of us, but they're putting the work into it on a daily basis. So they have an asset management fee, a financing fee, a disposition fee, an acquisition fee, and things along those lines, right? So these these fees are kind of uh, go along with the daily operation and management of that investment on behalf of all the investors. So uh, instead of them just getting paid at the end of the deal, three or five years down the road, they're getting paid continuously to continuously provide a service to the investors as well. That makes sense. How there's this operational cost, not just, okay, give me my monthly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if you want to invest with me, you're going to invest with me, but I need to make money for the next few years, managing your investment. So there are some small fees that I will be taking. Yeah. Everyone should get their, what's the expression? Give credit to where credit is due. Correct. So that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you and, you get what you pay for. You know, you really, yeah. you really do. Yeah. Yeah, you get what you pay for. The team 
experience. Yes. Yeah. All that. I don't mind paying somebody some money if they're going to make me a whole lot more. That's right. Yeah. And that's part of the rationale of why like I chose to sit at the front in that event where we met. See, you guys should invest in yourselves. Always. So Ahmed loves Danny Fleischman. He's got his events. Albert Preciado, he's an immigrant family, first gen as well. He has his own events. And who knows, maybe yours truly will have her own first Unbillion events. I would love that. That'd be great. And that's what it's all about, guys, leveling up. So for Ahmed, what does cultivating or having a billion-dollar mindset mean to you? And how are you committed? I'm sorry. I I lost you for a second. Okay, I'll ask again. So question of the show, Mm -hmm. what does having a billion-dollar mindset mean to you? And how does Ahmed promise to fulfill that definition for me the mindset is never having a destination or shall we say the destination will always be out of reach right for me it's the journey like to me every single day of improvement or moving forward to me is it means everything some people just want to make it I don't want to make it. I want to continuously just keep going and going and going because if I do that, every day will be a, a, a reward, a blessing to me, right? So that's my billion-dollar mindset is never having the destination, just knowing that I am on the right path and I'm continuously improving. And at the same time, it's all about leveling up, right? And, you know, like I say a lot and, and, I, and, I, and I advertise a lot, building better. And that's not just about building better projects or building better real estate developments or building better uh, buildings. It's about building better in every aspect of your life, building better mindset, building better habits, building better real estate development companies, uh, building better podcasts, right? Building better financial services for your clients and your customers, just building better and leveling up in every aspect of your life. Because, you know, a lot of people think that everyone else is competition. There's all this competition in real estate and competition in development and competition in, in all aspects in between. But to me, if I can go and show other people how to build better, build better real estate, better projects, better architects, better engineers, that means everything around me is going to be better. And if everything around me is going to be better, it's just going to lift me up to do even better myself. So I don't see people as competition. I see people as support. So the more I support them and level them up, the more that I'm going to level up myself. And that's my uh, million-dollar mindset. Or shall we say Million-dollar mindset. Thank you, Ahmed. (laughs) Lovely. So that's all for today, you guys. To contact Ahmed, please tell us where we can find you. So the best way is to catch me on Instagram, which is Ahmed Builds Better. And uh, starting on January 2nd, I will be launching a YouTube series, real estate development series, uh, every week. Uh, I'm already six episodes in, so there will be a bunch of real estate development-related uh, content on my YouTube channel, so you can find me on YouTube as well. How exciting. Everyone follow Ahmed on Instagram so that you could be more in touch with future YouTube videos. 
and subscribe over there also. So thanks so much for your time. I look forward to growing our relationship and seeing where this path of life leads us. 100%. That'd be great. Thank you, Marisol. Thank you. And as always, turn on the notification bell so you know when the next show is releasing. Bye, everyone. Un billón.